eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And across the studio for me, filling in for Scott, is WIBW Sports Director Marlia Campbell. Welcome Thanks to The Drive. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Scott is not with us tonight. He unfortunately did catch COVID. So my three pieces of advice, my friend, are sleep uh, on your stomach. Use uh, Take lots of vitamin D and zinc and also say go cats about 30 times a day and you'll feel better in no time. <laughs> Wishing the best for Scott. Yes, exactly. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Kansas faced Texas on Saturday, and what happened to the Jayhawks was shocking. The Longhorns' 84-59 victory matched KU's largest home loss in the entire history of Allen Fieldhouse. So, Marlia, did, how did this happen, and what does this mean for KU going forward? Yeah, you know, when you're playing a game like against Texas yesterday, that's a top 10 team, that's a big 12 team, and that's your first game in 12 days after the winter break, so you got to come out with a lot of energy, and KU just came out extremely flat yesterday. I mean, they missed their first eight shots, started the first half one for seven from three, and really was not playing well, but they managed to be within striking distance, eight points at halftime. A three by Jalen Wilson. This one here will bring them within four at the beginning of the second half, but Texas is going to go on and hit three threes in a row on their next three possessions. And Bill Self said multiple times last night, that was just the nail in the coffin for KU. It shouldn't have been. They were still within striking distance, but again, they just kind of lost energy there and completely fell flat to obviously the end result reflected that losing by 25 their worst loss in Allen Fieldhouse in the Bill Self era and all time at Allen Fieldhouse since 1989 was the other tie to Mizzou so been a while KU's played that bad at home obviously that is how a lot of us felt yesterday but you know what does that mean for KU you shake it off you dust off and you move on because that's one loss whether you lose by one or 25 one loss on your record sheet and don't let one loss become two. You got a good one against TCU on the road on Tuesday. In a strange way, I bet you KU fans wish they'd lost by 26 so that they get Missouri out of the record book. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what makes Texas so good? I, I've totally misjudged them. I knew they were good, but not this way. 
Yeah, they just started attacking from the beginning. Their front court dominated KU all night. They were out-rebounded in the first half, out-rebounded in the second half, and KU just really didn't have any answer, answers for them. They took them out of their offense for the, from the start and just didn't let up all game long. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch the game. Was that Bill Self's demeanor throughout the second half? Like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Largely, yeah. It was tough because, you know, if you lose by 25 to a team that's 25 points better than you, that's one thing. But KU really just let up energy in the second half, really didn't have any fight in them. And, you know, those are the most frustrating losses for, for a team like that. It was absolutely shocking. When I saw the final score, I was like, this has to be a typo on ESPN. But <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It absolutely yeah. wasn't. All right, that's Kansas State returned to Big 12 action on Saturday after and after falling behind to TCU by as many as 18. The Wildcats rallied to tie the game in the second half before ultimately losing 67 to 60. Now, was this loss a glimpse into the future for the Wildcats that its first two conference games didn't offer? Yeah, probably. You know, that win at Iowa State, I think we can agree, was probably an aberration. They played extremely well. They hit three-pointers enough of them and they just kind of broke down Iowa State. Baylor's extremely good and they beat them by 30 plus. I think this is a better look at what the Big 12 is going to be like for Kansas State. And that's not a good story because TCU was picked for ninth, K-State 10th. And if this is the team that's one step ahead of you in the conference, K-State's in for a very long season. Of course, Iowa State was picked for eight, so maybe they can get the clones again. K-State's going to get better. That's the good news. And and they got better in the course of this game. They did come out in the second half and really kind of focus in. They got the game tied, but uh, again, a case of probably using up all your energy trying to get back in the game uh, before you actually got the game uh, in hand and, and took the lead. Now, I tell you what, Kansas State loves to shoot three-pointers, and they have to break that habit. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but uh, they haven't really fully defined themselves and who they are on either end of the floor. The defense is getting better. They did hold a pretty good offense for TCU to 67 points. That has to be encouraging to Bruce Weber because he's a defense-first kind of guy, and sometimes to a fault. I mean, sometimes his teams play such good defense but just don't score enough to win in a really low-scoring game. K-State really didn't know what it wanted to do on the offensive end. When they ran into a competitive Big 12 team that defended really solidly, K-State just kind of collapsed in the face of that. They backed up and started shooting three-pointers. And the only way they got back into the game was Nigel Pack, the freshman point guard Marley, started hitting a bunch of three-pointers. Uh, and in fact, there was one that was wiped off with a really bad blocking call on, on big man Davion Bradford. He called for a moving pick, sticking his foot out. It was really weak. And that's all it takes. One of those calls for this bunch of freshmen and young guys, that's really all it takes to break their spirits. And that's what happened against the Horned Frogs. Sure thing. Well, let's go ahead and turn our attention to football, where the Big 12 went 5-0 and this season in bowls, winning by an average of 18 points. Now, most importantly, Oklahoma thumped Florida and Iowa State handled Pac-12 champion Oregon. Now, was this a much-needed boost for the conference? Yeah, it really was. And what we learned this season, probably, now that we're seeing the bowl games and we're down to two teams left to play, is that the non-conference schedule was mostly non-existent, so we didn't know what, um, you know, really any SEC, ACC, Big Ten teams had outside of their conference. You know, certainly the uh, Big Ten and SEC didn't play any games, and I think the SEC was okay this season. Alabama was clearly the best. But the Big 12 got skewed by playing non-conference games and maybe starting earlier than everyone else uh, because they lost three games to Sun Belt teams, which we now know were all pretty good teams. And... Uh, the Big 12 wasn't ready to play. They hadn't had spring football, and all of those Sun Belt teams did have most or all of spring football, and that turned out to be a huge early season advantage. 
But as the season progressed, you know, Oklahoma lost those two early games, their first two Big 12 games to Kansas State, caught them in Norman, and then Iowa State, very good team, beat them uh, a week later. And then Oklahoma steadily got better and better and better. And Marlia, in my book, when it came down to the end of the season, if the playoffs were about picking the best four teams at that point, Oklahoma probably should have been in. The problem is in the shortened season, we didn't really understand that until after they had trounced Florida, who according to ESPN had no chance to win because they were missing so many players. Sure. But uh, it, it became very clear to me, and I, I'd like your thoughts on this, that the Big 12 turned out to be a pretty good conference this season despite what the national pundits might have said. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I think it's tough because going into this season, you know, I was talking to Chiefs Mitch Holtis the other week and he said, there's the regular league you're used to and then there's the COVID league. And I think we saw that play out a lot in kind of the final results and, and who was selected down the road. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy with so yeah. many players out for so many different teams, uh, how uneven performances were. But, you know, that's why I didn't really appreciate the excuses from ESPN for SEC teams. Everyone went through this is this season. Yeah. And you might have gotten a loss, and boy, your excuse that we were missing players didn't count unless you were Clemson and you are missing your quarterback. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Now a quick look at our poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Now, last week's question was, who wins the Big 12 men's basketball season? We had number two, Baylor. 56% of you see Baylor winning. 37% saw the Jayhawks winning, and 3% saw Texas winning it all. 4% say it's going to be someone else. You know, I was tempted to redo this poll post-Texas winning in Allen Fieldhouse to see how it yeah. changed. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would have been the ultimate lazy move, but I didn't. <laughs> this week's question is this. In hindsight, who should have been the fourth team in the college football playoff? And here are your choices. Of course, Notre Dame was the fourth team and got trounced by Alabama. Not saying any of these other teams wouldn't have. Cincinnati, which was undefeated in the regular season. Texas A&M, another very good SEC team. And Oklahoma. And make sure you vote on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. And that will go ahead and do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more KU and K-State right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Kansas entered Saturday's game with Texas beginning to feel better about its post-play, but the Longhorns pushed around David McCormick, leaving much of the post duties to Mitch Lightfoot. Did UT expose KU's Achilles heel during the course of this game? Yeah, I sure think so. I mean, you know, this is something we've seen all season long with KU having that big gap as far as their anchor five goes, that big post guy that they can play around that you saw last year with Ibo Gazabuki. Again, KU just hasn't had that this year. In the, in the preseason, Bill Self was saying McCormick's going to be our leading scorer this year. He even carried that into the non-conference when, uh, you know, when McCormick still wasn't playing well at the beginning of the season. He said, just wait till we see big matchups in the Big 12. Then McCormick's going to get on a roll. It's tough against these non-conference kind of small bigs. 
Well, I mean, we're three games in and we still haven't seen it. I mean, McCormick had a really unproductive first half yesterday to the point of where self started Lightfoot in the second half. And McCormick only played a couple of minutes in the second half. Uh, we asked him yesterday about, hey, why did you play Lightfoot to begin the second half yesterday? And he said, I just wanted some energy and David wasn't bringing that. So. That's an interesting spot for KU to be in this year. They haven't seen that in years past. Again, Yudoka Azubuki last year was shooting 75% from the field. This year, McCormick's shooting like 38% mm. of the field from the field, 38.1. So that's tough when KU's used to having that solid five that they're able to base their offense about of, you know, making teams decide, are we going to double team the big and leave shooters that extra step to knock down shots? Or are we going to stay tight on shooters and our big guy is going to put up 30 points a night? So KU's not putting teams in that bind this year. And that is creating a bit of a challenge, especially against teams like Texas that we saw yesterday. So is David McCormick missing easy shots or being lacking being assertive on the offensive end right now? Sure, I think a little bit of both. You know, I think, first of all, shooting percentage, 38% is not good for a five when you're shooting, you know, within feet from the rim. Um, Yudok Azubuki, obviously, self has said, look, David McCormick is not Yudok Azubuki. We know that. Mm -hmm. But still, for him to not start the second half because he's not contributing against what we were really worried about was a really good Texas front court. That's that's tough. I'm intrigued by this. I, I've always said Bill Self's teams, it functions better when they have a true rim protector like yeah. Azubuki. But uh, we knew McCormick wasn't probably going to be that. But we thought maybe he'd stretch out the interior of the into the floor a little bit with shooting the ball and yeah. just hasn't done that. Yeah, exactly. Again, putting teams in that bind of, okay, I'm worried about, you know, we can't guard the big guy with one person. We need to suck in a little bit. And that gives guys like Christian Brown just that extra step to be able to knock down a shot. And then on the defensive end, if I'm a guard and I know that five behind me has got my back, if I get beat, I'm able to play a little bit tougher on the ball. I'm able to get into passing lanes and stuff more. So it's not just the numbers that you're seeing. It's those intangibles on offense and defense that KU really just hasn't figured out at the five yet this year. It'll be fun to watch how Bill Self solves this because this, this is a big issue going forward. Absolutely. Well, K-State took 25 three pointers yesterday against TCU, which was down from 31 and 32 in its previous two games. Now, since the Wildcats opened Big 12 play five games ago, the Cats are 36 of 132 for 27 percent. Fitz, why does this team keep shooting from beyond the arc? I don't know. Next topic. Hey, <laughs> you know, my favorite coach quote of all time it was years ago, Bob Hanson, who was on, I think, Tom Asbury's staff. I saw him at a catbacker event and uh, someone asked him if the, the team this upcoming season had more shooters. And he said, we have plenty of shooters. We don't have makers. Sure. And that's really what this team's about. They have a lot of guys that want to shoot that three. It's, it's sexy. It's cool to be the guy standing out there, stroking the three, making it. They're making 27% from beyond three-point line. And the way they're solving that is by taking more. Now, look, I'm not a coach, thank goodness. But I know if you're doing something poorly, the solution isn't to do it more. And that seems to be the way that this young team is trying to get out of their shooting slump is by just shooting their way out of it. Now, strangely, it actually worked in the second half against TCU. They did hit a string of three-pointers, but it eventually went away, and so did the, the chance to win the game. The biggest problem here is Davion Bradford is really effective in the low post scoring. This guy can really change a game because he's seven feet tall. He's a big presence. He has good hands, which K-State fans haven't seen in the post in a long time. Good feet, and he loves to dunk. And in the last few games leading up to this game, K-State has shot 30 or more three-pointers. And Bradford's been mostly absent on the offensive end. 
Doesn't take a genius to figure out that maybe throwing it inside to the big guy, collapsing the defense, will help you score not just on the interior with Bradford, but by him kicking it inside out to a more open three-point shooter that can catch it and shoot it in rhythm. I wanted to bang my head, Marlia, <laughs> watching K-State miss and miss and miss because yeah. they just, they've got a couple guys that are good, but they're just not pure shooters. And oh, they got Luke Kasupki just waiting to get back on the floor. He hasn't played yet for K-State. He hasn't played a game. And he is a supposedly a true three-point shooter. Oh, they need him so badly. It's so you know, I'm, I'm curious, Fitz, what you think, because Selton Miguel, when he hit that game winner the other night, he was two for 13 yeah. from the field and then hit the one that mattered when he needed to. And he said after the game, Coach Weber kept telling me, keep shooting, keep right. shooting, keep shooting. How do you strike that balance between, all right, we're not hitting, we need to do something else versus the fear of not being able to shoot open shots because you know, you're not shooting a good percentage. Every kid's different. You played basketball, so you probably understand this. You yep. have people on your team that it doesn't matter if they're 0 for a million. <laughs> At the right time, they need the ball in their hands because that's who they are. And I feel like Selton Miguel's that kind of guy. I feel like Nigel Pack's that kind of guy. Mike McGurl, I'm, they really isn't that kind of guy. You, you need kind of a, that dog mentality that I'm going to make this shot no matter what. That's what Miguel had. And, oh, by the way, he got that shot out of a dribble penetration ball kicked oh out to him so yeah. he's right in rhythm. That's the way you want to shoot a three-pointer. Yeah. And now we step out of bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. After much controversy concerning the selection process of the four teams in this year's college football playoff, the championship game is set between Alabama and Ohio State. Are these the two best teams this season overall? Alabama? Yes. Yeah. I think we can check yes on that. Um, you know, as far as Ohio State goes, I don't think so. I think, as we talked earlier, COVID has in presented a really interesting challenge of how do we select the best teams when the teams aren't playing the same amount of games? I mean, we can't compare them A to A. It's apples to oranges when we select teams down the stretch. That being said, I thought Ohio State took advantage of the opportunity. They played really well against Clemson. They're only a one touchdown uh, behind favorite in the game against Alabama in the spread. So we'll see. No, I don't think Ohio State's the best team in the country, but I think they're playing well when they need to, and I think they took advantage of the opportunity against Clemson. This is the second time Ohio State's gotten into the playoffs in kind of a controversial way. You know, a few years ago, they chose Ohio State over either TCU or Baylor, which tied for the Big 12 title. And really, the selection was pretty clear in the minds of the committee. Ohio State's sexier. They have the bigger name. They, they probably will get more viewers. Who cares about on the field? And I kind of feel the same thing happened here. Although, in, in fairness to the committee, it was so hard to compare these teams this season. I probably wouldn't have picked Notre Dame. I probably wouldn't have picked Ohio State. I probably would have opened the door to a Cincinnati because this year was a perfect time to say, you know what, Cincinnati played 10 games. They're unbeaten. Let's see what they do. And you know what they would have done, Marlia? They would have lost really badly to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, so that's who fair. Knows? Who knows? Just make it eight teams. Let's have sure. some fun first-round games and then get to the blowout. Absolutely. I'm with that. Now let's go ahead and hear from our fans today. Our fan question of the week fits. Deuce Vaughn was named the 24-7 Sports Offensive Freshman of the Year. How bright is his future? That's from Sheldon in Manhattan. Uh, just stay healthy, Deuce. Just yeah. stay healthy. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. But the really big key for Deuce Vaughn's future is the coaches have to get more weapons aligned around him, better receivers, 
Got to find another playmaking tight end. Maybe another running back to complement him because this season, as it wore on, it just didn't have enough weapons. So the defense was clearly focused in on Deuce Vaughn, which is a huge compliment to a true freshman that Big 12 defenses are trying to take you away. But uh, he needs a little help. And if he gets that help and people can have their eyes elsewhere, he's going to be really good for years. For sure. Now remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on our Twitter at The Drive 13. When we come back, we'll look at our predictions on The Drive. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And someone remind me to tell Scott to put them on our Twitter page. <laughs> Let's look at last week's results. Of yours went one and two. I went one and two. Scott went two and one. And I know that that looks like I lost. But I feel like, Marley, it was a personal victory that didn't go for three for the third week in a, a row. A moral victory. Yeah, I, I like that. I feel those. good. I feel good about one <laughs> and two. That's all that matters. Yeah. I'm a settler. I'll settle for that. <laughs> Here are this week's picks, and we start with Oklahoma State, minus six and a half at Kansas State. Uh, yeah, I really struggled with this game. I, I think K-State's okay. I think they're going to be okay. Will they beat Oklahoma State? No. But really the question is here, will they lose by less than seven points? I say yes. Scott says no. He is picking <laughs> Oklahoma State this week. That does not bode well for the Wildcats. <laughs> so next is Oklahoma. Scott picks or at Kansas, rather, and Scott's picking Oklahoma at a 10.5 margin. So will uh, Kansas win by 11 or more? This We set this number so that we would split. <laughs> We were both picking Kansas. He went with Oklahoma. I'll go with KU. Okay. So they got to win by 11 or more. I don't feel good about it. All righty. <laughs> and our last game of the week is the College Football National Championship, and that's a week from Monday, so we won't have the result next Sunday. But Alabama is a 7.5-point favorite over Ohio State. Excuse me. Uh, what's yeah. Scott picking? Scott's picking Ohio State. Bold choice, I think, but I, <laughs> I, think I, might I trust have Scott's here. I think Alabama's going to win big, but – don't take that to Vegas. Please don't take that to <laughs> Vegas. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by Local for a Strong Local Community. And we start with WIVW Sports Director Marlia Campbell. Yeah, thanks. I wanted to give a second to uh, give a moment of remembrance to Kansas Sports Hall of Fame coach Lafayette Norwood, who passed away yesterday. He was a the first African-American coach in the Wichita School District back in 1969 when he got a head coaching job at Wichita Heights. He then spent four years under Ted Owens at KU from 78 to 81, and then 23 years at Johnson County Community College community college as the golf coach and 10 as the men's basketball coach and he was later inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame in 2016 so you know an incredible coach those who knew him said he's an even better man and he will be missed. I remember him as the head coach in Wichita and just the time frame is just incredible what he accomplished. Well, K-State fans, I've told you to be patient, and you're not listening. Uh, 
You know what? I feel really good about this team, not because they're going to win games, but because uh, they are fun to watch. They shoot too many three-pointers. They make too many mistakes. Mike McGurl needs to back off shooting. Yeah, there's things to be fixed. But this team will get better as the season goes. And the guy I'm most happy about is Davion Bradford. It's been a long time since K-State had a big man quite like him. And he showed that again by dueling uh, Kevin Samuel from TCU, another 6'11", 7-foot guy, big guy, and he really won that battle. It was impressive. He had been warned that it was going to be tough, and he took it to Samuel. It's really encouraging some of these things I see from K-State. But, folks, I understand. It stinks to lose as much as they are. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. Scott, buddy, get better. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.